Hey everybody, welcome to the Bump the Cutter podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Nerdone. I'm joined, as always, by Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how are you doing, my friend? Hi, Joseph. I'm good. How are you? Uh, always terrified about that opening sentence of the podcast <laughs> because we had to dump, I had to try it once or twice last week. I don't know why saying Bump the Cutter is so difficult for me. Uh, as I've mentioned in the very first podcast ever here, I have a speech impediment, so I'm always fearful when I'm uh, not conversing with somebody, when I have to do like that very short 12-second solo of, hey, people, uh, that I will just roll my R's or my tongue will fall out of my face. <laughs> it is all good. All right, so today uh, what we're going to talk about, at least to start, we're going to talk about Overtime Elite, the PCL, uh, maybe the G League Ignite team, maybe. Uh, but, you know, Friday, last Friday, the news, we're recording on Monday, even though it's releasing on Wednesday, just to be clear in case other information pops out between now and then. Um, on Friday, Overtime Elite signed three kids, all top 15 recruits in their respective classes, uh, a pair of brothers, and then a high school junior. Uh, two big deals, two big, 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 massive deals, which uh, kind of actually finally puts the idea of college alternatives into motion uh overtime elite for those unaware gonna be a league where high school players not college players high school players juniors and seniors will be paid to play basketball obviously in turn they're gonna lose their college eligibility the pcl a separate league entirely will also plan launching in the fall they will be focusing on college freshmen sophomores uh and paying them as well and giving them a college education separate uh, from the university. Like, they'll send them to a school, but the school won't be affiliated with the league. Jess, when you saw the news on Thursday about the kids starting to sign with the over with Overtime Elite, what was your initial reactions? I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're getting some sort of idea of, you know, what it's going to look like, the type of players they're going for. Uh, I'm still pretty confused about it like i still i don't understand if it's one team if it's a league if it's i I don't know uh so you know for overtime they have it's three players now it's the twins and then one other person Mm -hmm. i'll allegedly i don't follow recruiting like i used to but i'll allegedly top 15 prospects in their classes right i mean uh, and honestly, as soon as I, I would say, as soon as Imani Bates decommitted from Michigan State, my guess was he was he was going overtime elite or ignite, um, and that's what I've heard since then. Um, I think you know of the if it's you know if we're comparing overtime elite to um, it's PCL right? Yeah, PCL. Yeah, PCL. Uh, Overtime definitely has the the name recognition behind it, whether that's Carmelo or Kevin Ollie or whomever, uh, plus just the Overtime name in general. Um, But yeah, I feel like a lot more has to shake out in not that much of time because both leagues are targeting like a fall startup. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think there's still a lot more questions than there are answers right now. Yeah, I mean, so the the two leagues aren't competing with each other. They could, they can theory, even though they're not, at least on on the surface level, partners in any way. They could, in mm-hmm. theory, work together because overtime elites 
you know, kind of focus on high school play, like actual high school players, and then overtime elite or PCL college players. Yeah. So like the overtime elite players who lose their college eligibility, in theory, would just go to the PCL if they're not NBA ready. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or if the one and done rule is still in place, or if it turns out they're not, they're very very good, but they're not good enough to be in the NBA. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of deal. So there's a symbiotic relationship there. What you're saying though, and we did kind of discuss it before the pod. They they want to launch. Both leagues want to launch in the fall. Um, between both leagues, there's only three players announced. All in overtime elite. Like you, I'm very confused with overtime elite. Um, is it a team? Is it a league? Uh, if it is a team, just one team, who are they playing? Uh, because I don't think other high schools are going to line up to play them to get crushed by a bunch of, you know, like a superstar high school team. You know what I mean? Like, it would be mm-hmm. like the dream team of high schools, I, I guess. is the best. Way. I know there's <laughs> technically a couple of those anyway, like a couple high schools that uh, top, you know, level players yeah, tend to gravitate, the, gravitate towards. The Montverds, the Law Lose, Oak yeah. Hill, stuff like that. So, like, maybe that's kind of the, maybe that's the deal. I'm, I'm this, it would be pure speculation on my end. Maybe that's the deal where they're gonna do that and just pay the players and try to make it into, try to convince other schools to play them. And the school, the high school, would get a, the it probably have to be a private high school, couldn't be a public one, would get a cut of the money. Um, and maybe that's how they plan on long term building out that into a league is to recruit mm-hmm. those other schools. I don't know. Um, I don't know necessarily. I'm so I'm for the player side. I'm always more options the better. Um, for hi, a high school basketball league or team, I don't know how much. This is me going to be an old man because I probably am not aware of the demographic. I just don't know how many people are going to watch it. That said, I do know when I used to talk to the PCL people regularly, and again they're focusing on college kids. Their data suggests like young people. Like teenager, like mostly teenagers, but and also people in their very early twenties, they very, very much care much, ah, very much care about basketball to the point that they will watch like high school basketball, and that's why over time the social end has as many followers as they do. I don't, I just right. don't know about an entire league or team or whatever if it'll generate well, enough regular buzz to like they're paying three guys. If you do the math, the way it reads out. About one point five million between three guys. Uh, I know they're financially backed very, very well. Um, I just wonder, like, can they turn a profit? Yeah. Well, I will say, I think, you know, obviously, I don't have uh, an idea of what, you know, ratings and viewings are, but I, I, I know just being on Twitter, on Instagram, when a game like Amani Bates versus Chet Holmgren was going on, like everyone was tuned into that now those are specifically the top one and two guys and arguably in the country um but there's also there was also the games where like uh mikey williams was in stuff like that like there's definitely a audience for it i don't know if there's enough audience to like pack arenas but i think people would watch um and since overtime is so heavily like been I mean, like I was saying before the pod, I don't even know what to call them, like a digital company, I guess, because it's not like they really have any um, of their own content, really. It's just always been them posting clips of AAU tournaments and kids in their backyards and, and stuff like that. Um, 
so maybe they're going like full digital and like just like want views online like that's very possible that's just more questions that i have about like what actually their plan is yeah we talked about it before the podcast we use our best material before the podcast apparently uh (laughs) that i didn't know if maybe over time the social end because they were never selling us anything previously right um if the long game was always to get here to launch a league or because they got here socially, they're like, well, now let's sell something. And it turns out to be this league or whatever. Um, I, I, I do agree. Like it, I don't know if myself personally, I'd be watching, but it's very weird because the, when you incorporate all the ideas of these leagues together, um, the G league ignite team, PCL overtime elite, it, it it very much inches closer to something I've always wanted, which was the academy style of basketball here in the mm-hmm. United States. Uh, which where it's basically if you're good enough, you could start your your path to professional basketball about sixteen, you know, sixteen years old, and get paid along the way while still getting an education and everything like that. And um, there'd be no gatekeeper like the NCAA is a gatekeeper. To be like, no, you can't make money here, even though you're good enough technically to make money. Um, so I like that idea a lot, even though none of these things are directly connected. The overtime is not connected to PCL. The PCL is not connected to the NBA. Um, and the NBA could really thwart all this if they're just like, oh, you guys are all trying to do this. Boom, just dump a ton, ton, ton of money into the G League. Um, I'm kind of shocked they haven't done that to make the yeah. G League a standalone brand. Where it's like, then they could sell that separately to partners. Uh, be like, hey, now we have like all these players. Like the the very thing the PCL is trying to do in overtime elite, kind of overtime elite against high school kids. Um, just do it. You know what I mean? Like that super league of the what would in theory otherwise be the best freshmen and sophomores in college, just in the G League instead. Um, but however, this does shake out because eventually, like if the NBA decides to do it, it'll still be the same idea. Uh, but I do like this idea in theory of, okay, if you're good enough or projected, really, you don't know if you're good enough at 16. You're projected to be good enough at 16. We will start you on that path to professionalism, pay you, educate you, all the steps along the way. And then by the time they do hit, in theory, if they made it to the NBA, that'd be like the most finished players ever, right? Like yeah. most polished or whatever. Because the way I, I wrote it about in the newsletter post for Monday was I – They'll, they'll have they'll already experience all the professional trappings. The NBA should view it as, hey, those guys, they're valuable because we'll have the best tape on them. In theory, they'll also play against other NBA-level prospects, so they won't have that watered-down tape of some kid from Duke bully-balling some kid from, like, Maine out of conference, which is, like, a worthless tape to watch because the 6'9 kid from Duke beating up some 6'4 kid from Maine, not really going to take a lot of that tape away a lot from that Mm -hmm. tape or whatever um so i like this idea a lot like in theory it's all in theory because nothing's actually happened yet other than three kids signing to overtime elite what are for you personally like as a fan what what if anything excites you about this like any any of those leagues any of those things like what excites you about this um i think for me as a fan, it would be, you know, hopefully, like you said, like getting to see these kids at um, kind of an, in an even playing field against their quote unquote like best competition. Um, 
also kind of just like sticking it to the NCAA and being like, hey, I'm going to go get paid uh, and you can't do anything about it. Um, I That alone, I like, you know, I talked last pod about like player empowerment and things like that. Um, my, my whole thing is just like, it's got to be the best for the kid. Like hopefully... And I don't think it is with either of these, whether it be um, the PCL or um, overtime. Like, this isn't this isn't Lavar Ball just like trying to amp up his kids. This isn't some random dude thinking like he can just like make money off kids while still paying them, but like his and their end goal is to make money as well. I mean, obviously, Overtime wants to make money and things like that, but I think because of the people that have behind it, like, it's not like this is their, like, pipe dream that is going to bring them to the top. Like, these people already have a lot of money, and, like, it, that's not, that's obviously, like, not the the reason why, why they're doing it. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that the competition level is good. Like, I mean, I liked in the G League being able to see those players play against I mean a lot of it was like G League journeymen and especially with the way that the G League was set up this year with the bubble um there wasn't a lot of like um calling up and going back down um so it it was more of like dudes that are like only on G League not a lot being called up unless you're a Kevin Porter Jr. Um, and Anthony Lamb went up with him as well, but there weren't. A, I don't think there were a lot of dudes that went from the G League then to an NBA team. But um, you at least got to see them against that type of competition, and I and I think those G League guys, like the, the Ignite kids, like Jalen Green, like he struggled a little bit at first, and I, but like I liked to see that and to see like what he did with the adversity and I think he got he only got better as the G League bubble went on. So um that that's definitely on top top of mind as well. Yeah, I like the idea. I'm with like the idea of them playing against somebody that's actually their peers as opposed yeah. to like however you want to do it, Kentucky playing whatever very small low major. Like they're not really peers playing peers. Uh when Kentucky plays Duke, yeah, that's peer versus peer. Like, in theory, these leagues, it'd always be peer versus peer all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, if, if you want to do the – like, for the NBA, this is who I think it actually benefits. Like, for the players, I like them having options. All options are good, provided they're getting good advice along the way. Um, because the, right now, the only option is the NCAA. Now you have more options, and you can't go around with more options. Um, but the NBA is going to win here. Like, if, if these leagues work – they're gonna get all the scouting, all the all these things, all the development for these guys. They're all gonna be done for them. You know, what I mean? like I find that really neat. But like as a fan, what excites me is you kind of touched on it. Is I don't follow high school basketball like at all, really. But like mm-hmm. if if you told me, hey, you could watch like a game between a bunch of sixteen to eighteen year olds, and they're all probably gonna be lottery picks, and I could f- start following them in a very competitive way that early and kind of and then get to know them through the overtime elite and in theory the pcl over the course of two to four years 
before they even get to the NBA. I, I love that because a lot of times what happens for – because I, I, I know people know me for college basketball, but I, I really like the – I like all basketball, really. But they, people know me for the college or whatever. But, like, to know a guy, know a guy like his game. Like, you don't really know anybody from watching him play basketball, but know a guy's game. By the time they hit the NBA in that kind of way, to have followed their career that way, I think that's very neat. Like, just incredibly interesting. Um, as Absolutely. Appo- as opposed to, like, even in college, like, the way the system is now, like, the guys that are getting drafted in the top are usually, like, one-and-done guys. So, I only, for me, the way I, I only get to know them for 30 games. Do you know what I mean? And then they're gone. And that's all the sample size I get to know of them from. I know you follow high school because you have direct connections to certain programs uh, a lot more than I do. Um, but this would give me the ease of access to follow these guys much earlier. Um, right. And I find that very interesting. Like, whatever, name the player, like, pretend Omoni Bates. Now, over, he, he doesn't qualify over for overtime elite. He's out of high school. Or he'll be out of high school. Um, but pretend it was him. Or whatever player. Pretend it was Zion Williamson when Zion Williamson was in high school. And I think Omoni has one more year, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I just yeah. feel like that kid's been hyped for like 35 years. It feels like I've been hearing about him forever. But that's like the kind of player they do need. But let's pretend Zion Williamson when he was a high school junior. Instead of us just seeing the Twitter clips, he was on Overtime Elite existed then. And then he did two years there, and we got to see two years of actual Zion Williamson basketball games against people. You don't want to say his peers because like he was a generational type of talent coming out of high school. But like against guys. That weren't just like five foot nine guys that you'd laugh at on a YouTube clip. Then you got to know him in the PCL for a single year because he wouldn't be able to go to the NCAA and he wouldn't yet be eligible because the prep to pro era doesn't yet exist again. Um, and then you get to know him in another setting. And then by the, so as a fan for three years, I got to see Zion Williamson in a very easy way to consume, right? I didn't have to go searching on YouTube or Googling. St- very poor streams because you assume these production values would be a lot better than what you would get on most high school streams now. Um, kind of get to know him in this game. And then the by the time he hit the NBA, now Zion Williamson is the outlier where his brand was so huge coming out of high school anyway. But for a lot of these guys, they're going to have like that established brand before they even hit the NBA. And sure. that's, I think that's good for everybody. It's good for the NBA because it's good for all these leagues too, by the way, they, that they're going to become like, I'm putting the air quotes that nobody can see on a podcast, so it's very bad podcasting. <laughs> um, stars early, so then they could demand all this more money later on. So, and the league can make them more marketable, which makes the leagues more marketable. And it's like a symbiotic thing where everything, like, again, in theory, if everything goes well, um, where everybody kind of wins. And then um, this is kind of why I've, I've, I like this idea so much. Again, just the idea. I'm shocked the NBA's hands aren't all over this. Do you know right. what I mean? I, I know they like the NCAA because it does, and maybe this is why they don't do it, because they're hoping these league do, does it for them. Um, like the free feeder system. You do all the work. You invest all the money. You make them stars and develop them for us, and then we'll just take them when they're a finished product. Uh, but now that there's like, it feels like these le- two leagues, they must believe there's money to be made or they wouldn't be doing these leagues. They're not doing it for just altruistic reasons, right? The people that have started these leagues would also like to make some money. You know what I mean? So uh, they must think there's money to be made there, and there probably is. So th- it's kind of weird to me that the NBA hasn't gone 
oh, let's just do this then. Because they have, they have more money than anybody else involved to actually do this. The, I don't want to say properly, because these other leagues probably could still do it properly, properly on their own. But they have more resources to limit the chances of it not being done properly, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And also, you know, talking about building a kid's brand, things like that, like, it it wouldn't be the end of the world if he didn't go to the NBA afterwards either because he builds that brand and then he goes to, like, the NBL or Europe or something like that, like, he again he's already got this built up brand i think he could just continue to use that and still go make a lot of money somewhere else that isn't the nba the um i'm gonna reference a, a podcast that i listen to the flagrant two um this andrew schultz he's a comedian and uh i was listening to him talk the other day about the, the reason he chose the route he chose which is basically to be his own guy like he doesn't rely on networks he did the podcast because he wanted to like carve out his own path. And part of his reasoning was if I build up enough of my own following, but meaning his brand that when he enters a talk with like Netflix, he could dictate the terms because the leverage isn't there anymore. The leverage used to be, you're a nobody. We needed to, we can only give you this and this and this, and here's your creative limitability uh, limitations because we're giving you all the eyeballs and all the money. And his thing is, if I already have all the, all, all the eyeballs and all the money, what else could you offer me, right? And I kind of feel like for these players, to your point, um, if by the time they leave that high school, college, you know, pay-to-play process with enough followers, like a, enough of a brand, going to the NBL won't be this giant drop. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, say maybe they're not good enough to go to, you know, whatever, the NBA, I like whatever. There's only one super big basketball. League. <laughs> the, <laughs> ah, that little league yeah, called little the league. NBA. But like, the <laughs> thing is, like, if they're they might be so insanely popular that when they go to the NBL and get the NBA levels or NBL level salaries, they're still going to make a ton of money in endorsements. People might care yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, because uh... there are the thing is like the fun. It's a great thing about basketball. Some not like super awesome basketball players, but very good ones happen to be incredibly exciting to watch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Kiefer Sykes that used to play for Green Bay. Um, uh-huh. I I know he was a high, not everybody's a volume shooter lover. I used to love that guy watch, watching him play. He was in no stretch of anybody's imagination an NBA player. But like I kind of followed him a little bit after. You know, like I know he kind of dipped in and out like he had a small run in the NBA. But like there are players like that. And then if you if, if you could get them, if these players could get themselves branded early enough if Kiefer Sykes, for example, I'm do, a very weird pull I use Kiefer Sykes, but like if he had this path, by the time he went to the overseas, he probably would have had so many people invested in him. He could, Adidas would probably rock with him or New Balance would probably rock with him. Do you know what I mean? In a way that they're not going to rock with him now because nobody cares about him, but me apparently. Yeah, I mean, there's dudes in the NBL like um, Scott Machado. Went to Iona, he's over in the NBL now. Like he's had deals with, I think, Foot Locker Australia, stuff like that. Or you look at someone like Bryce Cotton, who's just too undersized to play in the NBA, but he's now like wanting. He's got it. I don't know for sure, but he's got to be one of the most the winningest players in the NBL, just because Perth has had this crazy run of 
of championships the past few years. Um, also a very people, fun player to watch, Bryce Cotton. Yeah, people love him over there. Um, and you could definitely, like, find that. I mean, shoot. If I was, if I was like, a fringe dude, fringe NBA player who, like, probably wouldn't make it, like, my first ask is to go to Australia. That league Live in is, Australia and play um, basketball? Come on. There, that and league the league's is on the fun. Upswing. Yeah, and that league's like, yeah. I, it feels like it's on the uptick. What's funny, though, the NBL, they, they were kind of first to the, we'll take your high school player. Do you know what I yeah. mean? They were kind of, what's the name of the Rising Stars? Rising Stars. Right, they were kind of first to this, um, but because it wasn't an American-based venture, it got not as much coverage as it probably should have. Um, but, yeah, like, that's, but like that, I do, I do think this is where the benefits. And I, it's a really good point you made. Like the next Bryce Cotton, who's not going to be because of size or whatever, but who also happens to be super entertaining. By the mm-hmm. time he goes, that next player of, we'll, we'll just call him Bryce Cotton. The next Bryce Cotton that goes the overtime elite PCL route, and even if by the end we're like, no, nah, that's not an NBA player, but man, that guy's fun as hell. Then he goes to that. Then it also helps other professional leagues like the nbl or whatever other overseas league. or maybe it's like liga a or whatever something or yeah. it could be the g league even the g league it could help all these out like the thing like yeah i don't the only losers here in my opinion are the ncaa and then who i still think will technically be fine because it's the only brand and i feel like i'm regurgitating, regurgitating a talking point but it's the only sport in the world where the court on the product doesn't matter it really doesn't people root for their teams because they have their teams He's like, if you went yeah. to Duke, Duke could trot out whatever. It's not the names on the back. It really isn't. Like, people don't understand how bad of a product college basketball can be and that how much the fans will still watch. Do you know what I mean? It'll be fine. Um, I'll watch very bad college basketball, I no matter what happens. But, um, <laughs> it'll it, yes, obviously it'll hurt them a little bit because they won't be getting the best players. And... The only other thing it could possibly hurt, or it will hurt, is if it fails, and if it fails quickly. So, like these kids that just signed all, inked all these deals, these sixteen-year-old kids, if all these leagues fold in eighteen months, yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? Then, then, then that's when there's going to be like real losers. It'll be these kids that took a chance on these companies. Um, but that because then they're not going to be eligible. Like the NCAA is like, oh, it's not your fault. These leagues fold. It will take you. The NCAA will still be like, nope. And uh, then there'll just be like dust in the way. I mean, hopefully they'd still be able to go somewhere to play, but um, losing out on that educational part. That's what, this is what makes me nervous. I don't want to say the only thing. There's a lot of things that make me nervous about these things. But the biggest thing is probably that these leagues fold very, very quickly. And it just leaves most, I'm less worried for the PCL kids. One, because there's none yet. Um, but two, because like if you're already past high school, the high school kids makes me very nervous because if it does fold that early and you're 16 and you still have like a year of high school left, you, you're you done. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of done. And yeah, the nobody's going to pay like, for college for you either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the only good thing is it's it does sound like it's two-year contracts for these kids. Unless no, the league falls, yeah. If the league falls, are they responsible yeah. still? And but even if they are, right? And I know these are not cheap deals. Like they're getting lots of money. This isn't like twenty grand to play next to Lamelo Ball. This is it. It looks seems like about five hundred grand a year. Um, 
that is not nothing. You know what I mean? So I don't want to make it sound like they're they're not getting anything in return. But it's still like it doesn't replace. I like the idea. Like the idea that I like the reason why I like the PCL also being there is that there's that safety net for these kids. So in case they're not NBA ready after overtime elite, they still could get a college education. Do you know what I mean? Through the PCL. Um, if you remove the PCL from the equation, I like overtime elite a lot less. Uh, so that's kind of my fear. One of these, one of the one of the two leagues or both leagues fold pretty quickly. But the idea of more basketball is just I'll take as much basketball as I could possibly take in a calendar year. This would a pretty I think a, would give us basketball twelve months of the year, given all the if I don't I know you do a little bit more of the uh, overseas basketball than I do, uh, but I do believe this domestically this would pretty much take care of us for the year. Yeah. Except for maybe August. Wait, uh, who, no. When when does the WNBA season stop? It'll still be going because they take a break for the Olympics. And it's still usually going then anyway, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it really intrigues me as somebody that like just likes watching basketball. I, sure. and, and then, you know, get introduced to them super young is super cool. Like, it sounds creepy. Though. It does... Admit it. It does sound creepy. Like, if a year, <laughs> if, if four months from now you go, Jess, you want to go watch some teenagers in shorts play basketball? Well, that's why you don't say it like that, Joseph. But that's what we'd be doing. Like, it's not a lie. <laughs> we'd be watching a 16-year-old in shorts. But, it, I, again, they have a long, long way to go, like you mentioned, of they got to fill up those fucking rosters. They got to let us know some more information, too, like, especially Overtime Elite. I know the PCL plans on having multiple teams. Um, they also need to get players. Um but overtime elite, like, can we have a little bit more information about? And maybe they did give it, and you and I just missed it, um, which is yeah. entirely entirely plausible. Very possible. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, anything else on this before we pivot to our next subject? Uh, no, don't think so. I'm working hard for respect in my city. I'm working hard for respect. Yeah. You think you got it? I got it. Last subject real. of the podcast, the bump the putter. Bump the putter. Now we're a golfing bump podcast. Bump the putter. Bump the putter. Hey. Uh, podcast is way too early top twenty fives and why I fucking hate them. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to preface this or preface. Is it preface or preface? I believe it's preface. Preface. I want to preface this with I understand. Outlets need content and writers need to do off-season content. Me and Jess struggle with content ideas for the podcast <laughs> because we would prefer to talk actual on-the-court product. Um, but there's nothing to talk about yet. Although, like, listen, man, these other leagues get going. Like, we were just talking about them. We'll be able to talk about this stuff much earlier. But um, the top 25 stuff, and I, I don't know if we actually briefly touched on this before. Um I hate it because none of these teams' rosters are even remotely close to being settled. I believe at my last count, there's 7 million people in the transfer portal. Um, <laughs> just what, uh, give, like, I, I want to give these people the benefit of the doubt because I understand some of this is just I need to do content. I yep. need to get stay as close to on-the-court stuff as possible. Yep. Uh, but even with all that, these are fucking insane, right? Yeah, I mean, you pull up one, and the first thing I, I notice is uh, UCLA's three, but this hinges heavily on what Johnny's using decides. Well, that's that's a big deal. Like, that's a big thing. 
It makes, so it makes even, that number three ranking kind of invalid right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my thing is, like, even if he comes back, like, rank, rankings are just weird to me in general. Even if he is back, like, how do we know they're really three until they, like, play more, play another team? I don't I, know. I, well, I actually, I think I at one point in my career I did write about it. I actually hate the preseason top 25. Like, the actual official preseason yeah. top 25. Because... Um, by doing that, you give those teams an extra benefit of the doubt to fail early because you expected them to be good. So they're more likely to stay within the rankings high, even if they fail early. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, I feel like every season should start fresh. I do like, <coughs> I, I know why we do them in terms of entertainment. It's a, it's a baseline, right? It was for, like- and it's like for a casual fan, right? Um, this is why I'm also pro ranking every team, which I I know this is an absurd thing to say, but like <laughs> I hate the preseason top twenty five, but I want every team to be ranked. Um, if you're a super casual fan, and it's hard for and it is hard to keep up with all of college basketball. It really is. Like when I did this, like every day of my life, I realistically didn't know every single school and every single play. Like it's just not it's not possible. Um, mm-hmm. But if a number on the screen told you hey, this is the 280th ranked team versus the 142nd. That helps the viewer a lot, I feel like. Contextualizes Yes. Things. Because like you and I, like say we did a preview of whatever game, whatever low major game that me and you are obsessed with for the week, right? And we might be able to contextualize it to each other. But if we're a, a college basketball fan who's like, I'm going I'm to drop in this week in the AEC for no reason. I just want to check to see how it's doing. They'd have no idea what any of this team, because a lot of times what ends up happening to is like, because of the way non-conference schedules are, uh, this happened a couple of years ago when Stony Brook was legitimately good. Jeff Bull's first year. And uh, Will Brown no longer with uh, Albany, but Albany played a very, very weak out of conference schedule and Vermont or, and Stony Brook played a very strong one. They had the same records, but Stony Brook's out of conference schedule, I think it was like 86. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm guesstimating here because it's been a couple of years. And Albany's was like 312 or something like that. And I, I remember like just tweeting out something benign like, yeah, the record is the same, but Stony Brook's a lot better and it's clear why, blah, blah. And some guy was like yelling at me on Twitter because some guy I, I like now, but I won't mention his name. Uh, well, how do you know this? How do you know this? I know this kind of based off strength of schedule previous year. You know, they had similar rosters. Albany kind of, you know, took the cupcake route to get this record in the non-conference. Um, but, like, if somebody just did it for all of us, like whoever would rank all 300 billion college basketball teams, to contextualize, I think that helps a lot. Um, but, like, right now, we're recording on May 24th, uh, whatever team being ranked number seven in the nation means nothing to me. And if anything, it's kind of like, I, again, Benefit the doubt to these people. Get it. We need content. Me and Jess struggle to, when we're trying to come up with content ideas. It's a struggle. I struggle every newsletter post. Totally get it. But it almost feels disingenuous. Disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, another example is one team went from unranked <laughs> earlier in the month to 14. <laughs> because they had a bunch of dudes go to the transfer portal before that, but now they have four top 25 transfers. Great, but, like, you don't know how they're going to play together. Right. Well, it's... 
I, it's always going to be like, even if you and I just talked about, like, say, like when things settle down and we want to talk about T-Max, we're still doing a lot of projections based on mm-hmm. just whatever. I get it. Uh, but like, there's the thing is, it's so fluid right now, like so not even close to being fully formed. Like we're not talking like a player, a team. And that and whoever person's top because there's multiple people that do these preseason top twenty fives. Um or the way too early as we should call them. Um it's not like it's a guy per those top twenty five teams. It's like six for a lot of them. Like it's like yeah. half the roster. Um and it just it, it really does like as somebody that always advocates for better coverage of college basketball, because I think historically it's been co- covered pretty poorly. Uh I ne- I I haven't liked the recent shift of it going. Everything's tilted towards the NBA draft. I don't like that either. I think I think the sport should be the sport, and then like let the NBA draft people talk about the guys, but don't gear the coverage towards it. Do you know what I mean? Um, like somebody like Sam Fasini does a very good job of that, right? Like he's an NBA draft guy, but he's not like the the he's not doing it for college basketball. He's doing it specifically for the NBA draft. I don't like when like. If a game's on CBS and they're just shoehorning it, the broadcasters are shoehorning every conversation to be like, and that's why he's the number five, projected number yeah. five, or whatever. Like, can we talk about the actual program, the coaches, the players, or whatever? Um, so, like, as somebody like that, who's always folk want the coverage to be about the players, about the programs, more detailed information about things, how they're doing, and all this stuff like that. I don't think this helps because all, all we're doing, it feels like it's um. Uh, what's the musician? Corey Taylor, right? He does this thing when he does uh, live shows where he'll play his, his songs he likes, right? That he's a fan that he's written or he covers or whatever. And sometimes it'll be like, all right, I'll, now I'll give you something from the junk drawer. Meaning like like a, something he doesn't like, but he knows his fans like to sing along mm-hmm. to. And like, I don't like doing this, but I'm doing this for you, right? And I feel like this is what the top preseason top 25s are. It's like a distraction from what we could be doing better. Um, because we're just giving people what we think they want. And I don't even, I'm not even sure if people want this. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not, I don't want to s- pretend this is a monolith where I speak on behalf of all college basketball fans, but I don't know anybody that's like, can't wait to wake up Monday morning, Monday morning and see somebody's way too early top 25. It doesn't help no. contextualize anything or the v- outside of water cooler talk. And I'm not even sure if it's that. I don't know what value it brings to the sport or the coverage. Uh, I would argue that it's the fans of the teams that are perennially like in the top twenty-five, uh, and they want to see. Like, if I grew up a North Carolina fan and <laughs> Roy Roy's gone, we have a new coach, guys have graduated. Uh, where like. Where should my expectations be? Is maybe what they're That's asking by looking at them. It's, um, it's something Rot like Rothstein does a pretty decent job with his top forty in terms of going in out projected starters. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to, because it's hard to keep. Like I get it, it is hard to keep up with. Like I have a hard time trying to keep up with who's on what team at this point. It's probably a decent way for them to keep up with like who's left at this point or who's where and who's. And what part of the decision-making process for tr- people in the portal or declaring for the NBA draft? Like it, the NBA draft thing, like three years ago, was absolutely like that first year. Whatever they opened it up, and it was like guys that were averaging like seven points a game and like some shit league. And you're like, why are you declaring? 
Um, so yeah, I guess maybe is. I think that's a good point you made because maybe I'm just being like very old, stubborny. No, I don't think it's that. I just think we. It's not like we one. We love to focus on the mid and low major schools, so like it doesn't really apply to that part of it. We also aren't like obsessed with like once certain high major program like i just don't think it really applies to what we like in college basketball so this is probably uh i don't want to say an us issue but this is why we probably don't care yeah yeah that may make sense like i'm maybe i'm applying my sensibilities too strongly on this where yeah like if you grew up what like you said like a fan of north carolina or whatever team you're going to be interested to see where that team is i because i've never I mean, it's been a long time. I was once a St. John's fan. Um, and then when I started doing the writing, like, I tried to be objective and all that nonsense. Um, I bet you if I still was a St. John's fan, I would do those things. Do you know what I mean? You're probably right. Like, I'm not using – I did the thing that I always hate other people to do. I didn't use other people's viewpoint – didn't consider other people's viewpoints. That's what I'm here for, Joseph. This is why I said on the last podcast, it's good you're here, because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Stop. You, you have to check me. You should have checked me before we did this segment. <laughs> now our, now our listeners are going, ha ha, Jess and Joe once again <laughs> on his shitty takes, his shitty college basketball oh takes. Oh my God. So how do we solve homelessness? And Jess, tell us about your Twitter. Uh, you can find me at jryan44. Uh, happy to report we started recording draft season, but... It is not out yet. Uh, we're trying to backlog some episodes until the season's over. So we started that. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But that's that's all I really have to plug. That's awesome. Can't wait. That's at the Knicks Wall. If anybody yep. follow them at the Knicks Wall. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Nerdone. Um, again, just did a post on Monday. You should go read it. You should read all my posts because some people might say I'm a competent writer. But uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.